Joe, what does a lumberjack say when a tree falls too soon? What? Tip! See, it fell so he doesn't finish the burr. I wish I was that guy right now. If a tree falls in this podcast. Uh, Joe, what do you call it when you have simultaneous earthquake and forest fire? 2020. <laughs> California. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the old joke book said uh, shake and bake. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered what became of Joe and me, we're living on the air at Carnival Personnel, Carnival Personnel Podcast, CPP. Listen to Jacques incoherent yapping, while Joe can quote a movie line by line. They may have no idea what they're talking about. But all in all, they still sound pretty fine. It's kind of a personnel, the CP Podcast. Happy birthday, Joe Belated. Holy shit. What was that? Hello, everybody. This is Jacques. I'm dumbfounded. What the fuck was that? It was a uh, a birthday present uh, put together by... Uh, by a, a young composer named Chip Boy and myself uh, as a birthday present that we didn't get done in time for your birthday. Oh my God! That, that was my son. That was your son. Holy crap! Uh, I I thought uh, it was like you know one of your celebrity musician you know made it big time. Got nothing to do during the pandemic. Yeah, I'll do you a favor. I'll get I'll get. Um, John Sebastian, who who's the original singer of that song? <laughs> but uh, but seriously, it was it was a, a few weeks. Ago. It was actually a long time ago. I had the opening line in my head forever. But I I reached out to Chip Boy and I said, "Hey, I got this idea," and I, I sent him the link to you know the original show and stuff like that. I'm like, "Here's the words I'd like to do. You think you could help with this?" And he like. We went back and forth. He's like, "Yeah, this works. Do you mind if I move around a couple words?" I'm like, and I told him, "I'm like, um, I went to the top of Mount Sinai uh, with a hammer and a chisel, Cyanide. and each word w- w- was painfully, you know, crafted into stone. I'm married to each and every syllable. So basically, he he probably you know reworded at least half of it, um, <laughs> but it but it came out absolutely. When he sent it to me, he's like, you know, if you have any notes or any thoughts, I'm like. Yeah, you should do this all the time professionally because this is great. Oh, I wow. had no, I had no changes from from you know we we went over it. Like, here's my idea. He said, "Can I make some changes?" I'm like, do what you want, and then send it to me. He did it, and I said, "Dude, I have no changes." I I, I got it. I I think probably Saturday from him, Sunday, like last week, and it's been killing me. Oh, <laughs> like I I was ready to record this podcast. Yeah, it was Saturday after the piano lesson. He's like, "Yeah, it's done. I'll send it to you." And I was like, "Oh my god, I wish we could scrap last week's show and just do it right now." It's been killing me. Uh, so sorry it was late. Happy birthday, and uh, there you have it. In the words of Gilbert Gottfried, "Oh, thank you." That was fantastic. On, I have to. I'll have to go talk to my son now. It's great. I have something to talk about. 
with my and I kid. did. I so wanted to see your face. I didn't want to send it to you or talk to you. I wanted your reaction. And because it's a podcast and not a vlogcast or whatever you would call it, Joe had this quizzical look of, uh-huh. Yeah, that's uh, where we go. And then when he, he finally figured out, he's like, oh, that's pretty. That, it, was, it was worth the wait. I really thought that that was somebody who made music for a living that had nothing to do and did you a favor or you had photos of that you said, all right, I'm cashing in, <laughs> cashing in. So, well, thank you. Oh, my God. That was that was just wow. Well, that was the end of the podcast because I don't want to do anymore. That's the end. I want to end on a happy note. You catch up with us next week on some bullshit that happened in the world. Uh, but wow. OK. OK. I'm going to come down to uh, to Earth, to the Luseum, to the basement of my home that I rent. It's not my home. <laughs> and talk about uh, your your past week. What happened? Besides surprising me with a fantastic gift that uh, you co-wrote with my son, um, what did? How did you do all of this? You don't have a means of communication, or I uh, I now have not only my. 2017 MacBook Pro back. I also got the Jalopy of a 2014 MacBook Pro up and running, back in the house. I'm... Oh, honey, he's teasing. Nobody owns two computers. I, like I said, I found a place, showcase computers in Hudson, New Hampshire. You know, the dude at the Apple store said, nope, we don't do that. You know, maybe you should just get a new one. Uh, the guy at the Geek Squad over at Best Buy said, oh, the cost to fix that, you, you should just get a new one. And I'm thinking, it's two years old. I use Word, Excel, Google, email. You know, I'm not doing any quantum physics on it. It's fine. So, like I said, I I didn't think the old 214 would ever be up and running, and for it was like like 700 bucks total, which is a, what a fifth of one new computer, and so anyways, you know, barring any uh, more catastrophes, <coughs> my son squishy, uh, I think uh, I think I think we're good. So so I'm, I'm happy about that. I will tell you who had an interesting week. Our good friend, friend of the podcast, Biff. Really? Biff was pulled into a rabbit hole. I think he knew was out there, but I don't think he knew the depths of it and how once they pull you in, it's a lot easier to fall into quicksand than it is to get out of it. <laughs> so I see it was from like some blue check mark, like Marvel facts Twitter page the other day, and it's a it's you know a picture of a side by side picture of um, a Killmonger from Black Panther and Thanos, and the actor who play Killmonger, you know Michael B. Jordan, I guess said he thinks you know with enough planning Killmonger could beat Thanos straight up, hmm. a and I wrote back Killmonger's awesome, but come on, he's not Batman, and then your friend. Biff decides to weigh it. He sees the tweet and he figures, well, this is kind of like a text threat between, you know, All-Star, you know, Tarzan, Scotty, Johnny and me. So I'll shit on Jacques here. And he says, you know, dude, Batman could maybe take Hawkeye and that's about it. <laughs> I respond with, I'm not taking the bait. And that's it. I left it at that couple hundred tweets later from other <laughs> like Biff had no idea that within a couple hours the 
Marvel DC fanboys standing in front of like, you know, one of those big, huge, like fancy dude, like, you know, uh, you know, to, to, to create like tidal wave effects in movies. And they stood in front of one of those and had a pissing contest. <laughs> And Biff was like, "Dude, I had no idea." Like, right. like so is he, even, so is he canceled now? Is that what happened? He, he canceled culture. There's no more Biff on. on oh, but well, but literally, he's like, he hasn't seen he didn't seen Black Panther, and I'm like, oh, because you're racist. He goes, well, I'm misogynist too because I didn't see you know Captain Marvel. Uh, Biff has a, oh, what is that thing that Biff has? A life. Right. Ah. So he, he doesn't see every superhero movie the second comes out, but he did. He's like, I had to ask my son about you know who these people even are. He wasn't saying anything about like really Batman or this. He was just trolling me for a second. And I said, not taking the bait, but it was out there on Twitter. And honestly, a couple days a couple days went by. And if you look, it's like couple hundred replies oh and forwards and, and and a lot of people just like this a lot of people liked his comment a lot of people wanted to argue the merits of well batman beat uh, uh oh you know what, what was it dark side you know dark side by himself yeah but he had to build a special suit to do it well him building a suit is really him iron man it's like oh even God. i'm like even i'm like yeah but this is why i don't do it All right <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't I know not to fall into that trap. Wow! You know? Wow! Wow! Yeah. So, yeah, he, so that was Biff's week. He st- he said foot. He took his first step into a larger, nerdier world. <laughs> um, taking a first step into a, a, a world of thrill rides, as uh, documented on you know when you text the other day saying you gotta watch Class Action Park. It's funny because. I think I saw it on Twitter, and you know I'm a big you know theme park aficionado, mm. so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give this a whirl, and I had it on my watch list. A tilt a whirl. When when you sent it over, <laughs> that's a deleted scene that that just shouldn't be. That, 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 that's not. Oh, the, the the drip from the jerk, yeah. But I, you know, so management. I told management, I said, hey, you know, Joe said we should watch this. I already had it on my list. She's like, all right, let's do it. Let's roll the dice. Two jaw-dropping hours later. <laughs> I mean, okay, so Class Action Park is a documentary on HBO Max exclusive, so you can't even watch it on regular HBO. Sorry, losers. And it's about this fucked up... Imagine, okay, if you lived in the Massachusetts area, imagine a water country designed by cokeheads and run by teenagers in the 80s, and go. But it really was a water park... That was built in the uh, New Jersey area, like right on the New Jersey, New York border in this town called Vernon Township. It actually spanned across one of the major highways. So like one part of the park was the water park and the Alpine lift. It was like a, a ski lift, essentially. And then you cross the highway and then you go into Auto Town which is the, you know, go-kart, not on rails. You know, these are like legit go-karts. It's essentially, it, it, it had no real oversight. No safety protocols were put into place. The rides were legitimately designed by people who did not have engineering degrees. Or they were approved or modified by a guy with no engineering degree. He was like an ex-Wall Street penny stock kind of guy. and uh, ban- Banned. 
banned from Wall Street. Right, exactly. So, 78. In the 80s. He was too fucked up to be on Wall Street in the, like, Gordon Gecko was running amok, and this guy was so fucked up, they're like, yeah, you you just gotta go. Right. So, it's this, it's this water park called Action Park that was really popular among kids in Jersey and New York in the 80s and early 90s. People got hurt. People got seriously injured. People died. And they weren't insured because the insurance was actually a, a front company that the owner of the park set up in the Cayman Islands to get around the insurance coverage issue. And yeah, I mean, I, we, maybe we, I don't want to get too far into the weeds with it, but it's a, it, if you have HBO Max, you definitely watch Act, Class Action Park. Um, it's mostly told from the perspective of uh, park operators, you know, people who were like teenagers that were working at the park at the time, engineers or, um, you know, ride operators that were, you know, like the older grown-ups of the park at the time. And also... Um, I mean, I mean do, do you think they were much older? Because the park was open. And, and that's a crazy thing. It's like when you watch a documentary, you're like, oh, and then this happened. Oh, and then this happened. Well, then six years later, this happened. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Six years later, it was still operating. Opened in like 78, 79. It wasn't until like 96 that it gets shut down. Yeah. So we're looking at these guys and they look like, you know, me, like 50, like late 40s to late 50s. And you're like doing the math. It's like, okay. So if you were there in the middle of it, 85, 86, 80, you know, in that time, those guys were like 17, 18, not. Yeah, right. And they were the managers. Yes, right. It was also told from the perspective of celebrities or comedians who were just patronizing the park, who just like went to the park, grew up in Jersey. Like this one guy, Chris Gethard, he's like this New Jersey-based comedian. He has his own show for a while. But he's this really funny guy. He's just like telling about the logistics of of how these rides were meant to be designed and like what actually happened. Like, the you know, there was like the wave pool that would legitimately take people under. And sometimes those people didn't necessarily come back up for air. The one thing that stands out to me was the cannonball slide. And so, as Joe said, like most of the rides weren't designed by professional engineers and companies that do it. And now, and now you know, 10 years ago, you started to see it. I actually got pitched to help sell a show about backyard roller coasters because there's some places where you can build a backyard roller coaster florida but this guy built the whole park and he did he had and there was a, a one two guy company that designed some stuff that literally were banned from like universal and disney and six flags <laughs> and, there was, and he he hired them but then he would take their designs and say well why don't we put a loop here and it's like yeah oh you gotta you gotta watch it i don't want to spoil it too much but yeah, the first ride that they showcase is this water slide that's legitimately just like a crazy straw, a gigantic crazy straw where it's a tube with no light. It's just like a solid, you know, surrounded tube that's pitched at like a 45 degree angle from, I don't know, 50 feet up high is the entering point. You slide down and then gravity just takes you and you don't know where you're going, how far down Earth is. And then all of a sudden, you hit a loop that flips you upside down. It's, a, it's a legitimately a loop that just swirls 
up into the air like Sonic the Hedgehog would ride on, you know? Right. right. <laughs> and then now, it would now, spit you out, maybe. If you were now, lucky, you'd get spit out at the bottom. Now, now, yeah, if you were too tall, you couldn't do it. If you were too short, you couldn't do it. You had to, now, now, where did, where did they get the, the brave souls to test this ride? <laughs> they were the, uh, you know, the, the teenagers who basically were supposedly going to be running the park. They were the test subject. Well, first they'd try to test dummies, like crash dummies, and they would come out dismembered. And, you know, then they make some modifications. And then finally it's like, okay, maybe we can actually try to do a human trial on this <laughs> water slide. But where are we going to get somebody dumb enough to do this? I don't know. I got a pocket full of $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, that's so it. I'm just going to offer anybody who's brave enough or ballsy enough to get into the slide and come out the other end. You get 100 bucks to a teenager in 1978 that's like, Oh my God, I'm rich. I can retire. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's interesting because a lot of the adults now who are kids, they talk about the guy who created and owned the park like, yeah, you know, he was really a great, fun guy. I mean, a complete dirtbag, but you know, he was, it was, a, he was always nice to me, one of those, but just a, just an awful, awful person who, you know, you couldn't sue him because there was nothing to sue for because again, the park didn't have real insurance. And when he did get sued, he fought it to the end, knowing that most people don't have the money he has, so can't see it through to the end. So, you know, he's going to win the case. It's going to get dismissed just because you can't go dollar for dollar with court costs with him. And then if he lost the case, a few times he lost the case, he just didn't pay you. Go ahead. Chase me down. Hmm. And, you know, it's very presidential it, of him. Right. And then it got to the point where U.S. Marshals a few times showed up at the park, shut the park down. And it was it was so gangster 80s New Jersey where they took the marshals to the back room, handed them a briefcase of money to pay the settlement. And then they would reopen the park that day, yep. you know, but there was a few times. And then the whole the, but the whole time you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting till the till you get to. OK, this is the first guy who died and this is the second guy who died. And this is a second person who drowned in, in, in the in the pool. And the comedian guy's like, wait a minute. When you read that headline, you're like, wait, second they didn't close it down. The that that ride, they didn't say. And and look, it, it's funny because we've been to Disney a thousand times. And and granted, it's it's you know we start going to Disney 2012, 2011, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, or before that, like twenty uh, two oh seven when our oldest kid was born. And you got OSHA and you got all these rules and it's a different world. But there's sometimes the the guardrails and the precautions they pick up. You're like, really? And like you know, Taylor always says, yeah. When you see something like that, it, no one has ever said, we should put an extra guardrail there. It's because some a-hole hurt themselves getting, you know, over it or somebody super. But but they did, you know, a half dozen people, you know, end up dying and you're like, but it's crazy. Like when you mentioned the go-karts, the go-karts that they got went 60 plus miles an hour. And they legitimately took them out on the highway at one point just to like a, and, for a joyride. But then also then the speedboats. Well, yeah, the speed right, the speedboats are a whole other story. But the thing about the go karts, location, location, location. Uh, what was stationed next to the go karts? Because uh, basically, like the schedule would be like in the morning, in the early afternoon, you would go to the water park or the alpine ride or whatever it is, and then you would you know have dinner, and the the adults would you know hang out for dinner and maybe some drinks, and then you'd go to the go karts in the evening. They'd have beer fests. 
and, and right, right next to it. Right, literally, right next to the go karts. Those go kart paths, by the way, suggested routes. You know, like right. nothing stopped you from you know doing as the crow flies to go from one end of the go kart path to the other. And, and between being crazy and being drunk, I don't remember exactly when. It was. So my sister was in the, the group, and, and this is going back, let me think. So she graduated high school in 86. She was grandfathered in in the age group. Like if you were already 18, 19, 20 when the drinking age went to 21, you, you were grandfathered in. They weren't going to say, oh, you're 19 and you've been drinking for two years. Well, now you can't drink for two more years. So from 79, 78, 79 up to at least 84, 85, the legal drinking age was 18, which meant the legal drinking age was about 14. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, it's like, the, you know, there was this one woman and she was a lifeguard. And she was talking, she's like, yeah, they would torture the new guys by making them be the lifeguard at like the most dangerous part of the water park. And, and they would, they like four times, five times an hour, they had to jump in the pool and literally save somebody. And if you worked one summer and you came back the next summer, you were automatically manager. You were automatically, <laughs> and, 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 and so you're 16, maybe 17 now, not only in charge of overseeing a ride but overseeing the young kids running the ride oh it is just and and it's it is it's like that comedian that you're talking about who was one of the hosts and he was saying it was just you know it's a completely different world because you would just get on your bike and drive 10 miles here and then you come home 10 hours later and your mom be like oh where were you today oh i went down to action park you're like oh that's nice dear and it, you can't even imagine a kid going across the street by himself right one of the people in the documentary she said uh yeah when we were kids, we would leave the house and our parents wouldn't know where we went. They wouldn't care where we went. They didn't want us to come back. They weren't looking for yeah, us. Yeah, they weren't looking for us, which it, it is like it does kind of illustrate that generation of non-supervised fun that, you know, kids of our generation, you know, I'm lumping my generation in with yours. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I was, you know, you're, you know, you're a tad older than me, but we're basically in that same mentality where we would just leave the house for days. You got a 14-year-old, and I got, as of next week, a 13-year-old. And I remember so many times, not Sully, who was on a show, the other Mike who lived next to me, you know, he, um, his dad used to get Bruins tickets all the time. And, and we... On a Tuesday night, would walk a mile to the train station in Wilmington, take it in the North Station, go to the Bruins game, come home. Now we're getting home. We're getting off the train quarter of 12, 12 yeah. o'clock at night. And it was only like maybe three quarters of a mile. It wasn't a mile walking home. But can you imagine your 14-year-old leaving the house at 4.30 to go to the Bruins game, taking public transportation himself, going to a And again – Going to a, a Bruins game now, you know, yeah, the crowd can be rowdy and stuff like that. But let's face it, it's priced a lot of people who used to go to Bruins games in 1982 out of the picture. I mean, you used to be able to get like the third balcony seats in the 80s for like six, seven bucks a game. And, and the BS were only like two or three bucks. So yeah. 
that's who we were on a train ride with 40 minutes back. <laughs> and at 14, and, and think of the same thing. And, and, and our parents were like, no, cell phones. Not like, okay, well, call me when you get to the train station. Call me when you get to the garden. Call me when you're getting home so we make sure we know what train you're getting on. No, it's like, oh, here's a couple of Bruins tickets and 10 bucks. See you boys around 1 a.m. Anyway, so yeah, the, the 80s were fun is what we're saying. And I miss them. And, and dangerous. We look. We gave a lot away. It's so worth watching. There's so, so much more. It's 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 horrible. It's but it is. It's like the the car accident on the other side of the highway. You can't. You shouldn't watch it. <sighs> There's no upside for watching it. But you can't. You can't not look over. You know, at at, at the carnage. What well, wasn't full of carnage? Well, no, it was full of carnage. We watched the uh, live action Milan. Ah, the other day. How was it? It was good. Management really was excited. I mean, there's not a lot of huge budget, you know, major motion picture action stars, you know, where the main character is a female Asian woman, you know, or mm-hmm. most women happen to be female. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's 2020, man. We don't know anymore. No, 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 we don't. We so we don't. But we we watched it and we really liked it. You know, the wife wanted to support it. Like, so I, I, and we thought it was going to be like 60 bucks. It was only 30 bucks to rent. Yep. And eventually it will be on Disney plus for free. So we'll watch it several other times, but no, we're glad we watched it. But again, because it's 2020, it's one of those things, the joy of, of watching the movie and her feeling good about the inclusiveness of, of, of who the lead was. And she was excited because they wanted to make the story more like historically accurate this time. But, you know, within moments of, of watching the movie, she made the mistake of, you know, much like Biff, she made a Twitter mistake of um, going to Twitter. Oops. <laughs> That's just was, and all the people, it's like, yeah, don't watch Milan because, you know, they give thanks to the, you know, they go out of their way to thank these different provinces for supporting the picture or where it was shot. And, you know, the province where they are truly rounding up and, and moving, if not killing, moving Muslims to slave camps. Yep. As featured on the John Oliver show a couple of weeks ago. And so it's tough. It's tough to like, yeah, like we really like this movie. Oh, it's just react. You know, it's all this stuff. Oh, they shot it where there's, you know, right. there's modern day slavery. And yeah, it's crazy. Right. So, no, you can't have nice things in, in this year of our Lord 2020. But we liked it. You know, we did. We, the boys liked it. You know, it's one of those things where the boys had seen the original first. So, you know, they kind of liked that one first. So so we watched that as a family. I myself, just because I have, I've tried really hard to temper how much politics I can watch. Because I'm just, I'm angry all the time. And I don't want to be angry all the time. We talked about that a lot last week. So this week, I ended up rewatching the BBC Sherlock, the series Sherlock. Yep. Dude, it's probably the third time I'm watching it all the way through. It's just really great. It's just really, 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 really great. I've also, I've always been a fan of the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law, you know, to blockbuster, you know, Sherlock movies. And it's funny how much of them intertwine, not intertwine, but... I mean, Overlap, it's the same. Kind it's the of. same category. Yeah, it's a hundred years later, but there's so much. You know, Moriarty is like the big bad in both of them. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you can't really. I mean, 
how many Batman movies can the new Batman do before you have the Joker? You yeah. know what I mean? He doesn't have to be in the first one. Same thing. How many Superman movies can you get by without having Lex Luthor in it? I know, so, I know. And, but but we already such a great bad guy. Like in both of the movie, in the movie and the TV show, he's a bad guy who is just really fucking great at being a bad guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I so I've watched, and I was sort of thinking, and you know, maybe maybe we'll do a sideshow, or maybe I'll throw it out there that we should do a sideshow, and we never would. But I I kind of as a fun exercise because I have the kind of time rank like the four or five shows you wish you were watching for the first time. And as I'm watching Sherlock, I'm like, I really wish this is the first time I'm watching it all the way through. I mean, I know it's going to happen and it's still great, which is why I've rewatched it. But it's like, yeah, I kind of wish this was the first time I'm seeing it. I could do that with actual shows that I'm legitimately <laughs> watching for the first. Like, you know, I have never seen uh, Game of Thrones. I have never seen uh, the entirety of The Sopranos. I have never seen The Wire. And these are all HBO shows, critically acclaimed, readily available on demand on HBO Max app, yet to sit down and actually watch them. Uh, I'll get around to it someday. But, you know, yeah, right. There, there are so many shows that, yeah, like Breaking Bad for me, you would be like, just right, wait to okay. rewatch. Or, um, or what's that? Mr. Belvedere would be another one. Just, you know, <laughs> start to finish. So you, you hit me the other day. Uh, telling me, oh, have you seen this documentary about Bill Finger? Who And you're like, yeah, I think we even talked about it on the podcast. It's like when you recommended Cobra Kai, and it took me two years ago, two, right? Two, two years to watch it, but it's the same thing. So we talked about it, and, and how did you stumble across the documentary? I was bored the other night, and I said, okay, let me just watch MTV Classic. And one of the rock videos is Tom Petty's Free Fallen. I'm like, yeah, you know, that I love this song i haven't seen this video in a while and i'm looking at the girl it's like i wonder if she's done anything or if i just seen remembering her from the video i i type in like uh you know free fallen video girl and i come across this article that's basically an interview with that girl and it's part of a series of girls from the video and i'm like oh wow that's interesting so i read this article and then i read like another one and i'm like okay this is kind of a rabbit hole i'm not going to go too far in and I go to this guy's page. He has like a blog page. And it's called Noble Mania or something like that. And then I'm like, huh, this is a pretty interesting thing. I wonder what else this guy's done. Oh, he's got a Twitter. Let me look at his Twitter. The guy's name is Mark Tyler Nobleman. And the banner on his Twitter page is Batman and Bill, the documentary about Bill Finger, the real creator of Batman alongside Bob Kane, who took the, all the credit. So... I'm like, oh, wow, Batman and Bill. This is the documentary that Jacques was talking about. How funny. You know what? It's on Hulu. Let me give it a gander. Turns out it's a really good documentary about this poor guy, Bill Finger, and who for three decades wrote, the, I guess, the entirety of the Batman comics. And Bob so Kane would be the guy who would do the art and, you know, whatever. But he would, yeah, you can explain the rest. Well, yeah, Bob Kane came to the office one day and said, hey, I got this idea for a, for a new hero named Batman. And Bill Finger says, oh, we should give him like a cave to work out of. You know, we should give him a car to drive that's Bat-themed. You know, we should give him a sidekick. You know, we should uh, shouldn't have him just run around with a mask. Let's, let's, let's give him a cape and a cowl. Right. And, and, yeah, and, and of the Bob Kane says, hey, I thought of the name Batman. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, long story short, Bob Kane goes to, what was it, uh, National Periodicals that was become DC Comics and made a deal with National Periodicals about the character Batman, but with the stipulation that Bob Kane's name would be listed as the creator of Batman on all the comics. And Bill Finger had this sort of handshake deal who, you know, he was not, like, Bill Finger was a very modest kind of a, you know, very creative guy, but not a business guy. And he just sort of let Bob Kane pay him to do the work that Bob Kane was getting credit for and getting paid more for. And Bill Finger just ghost wrote Batman for him. And I think Bob Kane, you know, he was a he was a graphic artist. He wasn't like some nobody that didn't know what he was doing. He just, you know, didn't have the creativity that Bill Finger injected and, and he didn't have the vision for this universe. This, you know, he named Gotham City. You know, he named everything about Batman was Bill Finger. So everything. This, this documentary is a partly for Bill Finger, but also it's about the documentarian's quest to get DC Comics to finally, finally, finally put Bill Finger's name in the created by credits on anything that came out with Batman. Basically, he had to find an heir to Bill Finger, and that's where the story gets very interesting. I don't want to spoil it, but you know, let's just say it has a happy ending. What was the what was the first movie that it was co-created by credit on? Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Yep, and and honestly, I know I love the movie. If I was going to give the movie like an eight point five, I give it a nine because of that. It was the first time you saw it, and I wish they could go back like. Everything's digital now. You know, you can retroactively go back. They're not going to do it because right. it takes time and money to do it. You know, and it's sad that, you know, the guy's been dead for like 30 years. And, and it did. It also, when I saw it, made me sad. It's like I've. The guy's been dead for really, 50 years. 50, I've loved Batman. I mean, that, that, you know, since, since, since I was literally before I can remember loving Batman, I love Batman. And then when you find this out, it's like, dude, it's somewhere along the line, he could have said something. You know what I mean? And, and when we were texting about last night, same thing with Stan Lee. Look, Stan Lee is amazing. Like the entire comic world has a debt of gratitude. They could never pay him. But he's been honest like many times. He just, you know, copywritten things or, you know, but a lot of the a lot of quote unquote his ideas came out of think tank writer, you know, writer's rooms type thing. And it's like. He got a lot more credit for a lot more stuff than he should have. You know, people died or like, you know, when he was writing comics in like, you know, the 60s and the 70s, you know, guys came in and they, con you know, gave contribution to these little comic books and then moved on. They didn't think, oh, 40 years later, you're going to take this B-list character like Iron Man and make him the biggest blockbusting, you know, blockbuster entity from the year, what, from, from like 2008 to 2018. It's hard to say there was a bigger on-screen character than Robert Downey Jr. and, and Iron Man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that guy went on to write novels or whatever, and he didn't really, you know, you know kind of stay in the mix as it was licensed out to this well, or that. Well, Stan, I was going to say, you know, Bob Kane, you know, he what he did was very regrettable. And he's actually he actually expressed regret late in life and a little, you know, a little a day late and a dollar short. But the other thing was that Stan Lee, he was also the guy who was shafted by Marvel Comics. True. Yes. So yes. Stan Lee was sort of bill fingered in a way. 
And um, basically, the Stan the Man lead that, that we knew since the 70s or 80s w- w- was kind of payback and, and recompense and from Marvel Comics to Stan Lee to make up for the decades of shafting him. So Stan Lee kind of got his due, whereas Bill Finger did not, but his, you know, his heirs just might. It's, uh, it's remarkable. But yeah, Bill Finger um, no longer uh, a footnote in history. But um, it was a good documentary. I'm glad. I'm glad that you saw it. Uh, we are recording this on Friday, nine eleven. You know, the nineteenth anniversary. And it's funny. I think it's become less of a, you know, a moment of pause and reflection and horror because uh, we have two nine elevens a week now, and everybody's been saying that for a couple months. I almost forgot it was nine eleven, and then as I was driving home just now. <sighs> You know, there's a f- shock. The a bumper flag- stickers are constantly reminding you every day. Never forget. How there, was, you- there was a, f- a giant flag at like the new market. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> to uh, at, at half past, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. And, and I said to the boys, the boys, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a supposed, you know, I explained the flags at half mass, that kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, it, it you know, those, those horrors don't seem near. It, it, I'm not saying it's not horrible. Like, we'll never forget you had the overdue video that you couldn't return that day and you still had to pay the late fee. And it's, uh, they gave me a credit. They gave me a straight credit. (laughs) They made up for it. It's still, you know, and it's, it's it's, uh, my good friend, John, our good friend, John's birthday. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you know, else's birthday is it is John Ritter's daughter. And it was also the day John Ritter died. Oh, John Ritter died on 9-11 in 2003 on his daughter's birthday. That poor girl. 9-11. Yay, yeah. it's my birthday. Right. <laughs> Two of the hor- most horrible things in my life that had happened. Oh, God. Yeah, anyways, a little factoid there. Um, so, But yeah, you're I, right. I, 9-11 is sort of like, oh, yeah, 2020 has been such a... No, not just, but it's like any other year for an anniversary of something that awful of a a moment in American history, of course, it would give us pause and give us a moment of reflection. But like you said, we, in 2020, we've been having, we've been mourning the entire year on multiple things, on multiple atrocities and on multiple mass deaths. You know, it's just, uh, it's still got five months to go. Like California or or not just California, like Oregon's on fire. I I don't mean there's a, there's a big fire raging in California or Oregon. The entire state is on fire. Dude, Colorado is both on fire and snowing. At the same right. Fire and ice. You know, a friend of ours from hockey, uh, our, old, our old buddy, Eric uh, Nufi Setlak, we like to call him. His brother-in-law lives right in the midst of the fires. Like, literally, he was posting videos of them hosing off the house as the fires around it. Like hoping to preserve it and as far as you can see like he does a 360 panorama thing and you can't not see fire for like miles and miles in every direction and it's like it it does it looks like a hell it's a hellscape right i mean you've seen the picture of that bridge in in uh it's not it's not the san francisco it's not the golden gate bridges but it's another uh bridge that looks kind of like it but it's it's the background is this orange sky and the fires are burning on the hills behind it. And it's just like, oh, my God, 
what fucking Michael Bay movie are we living in now? And then, you know, the governor of Oregon comes out Friday and she says, yeah, buckle up. This isn't a once in a lifetime thing. This is climate change. This is the result of weather patterns shifting and changing, getting less rain in certain areas, more dry. And gender reveal parties. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. First of all, before, before all the, that gender reveal thing, I can't think of anything stupider. I, I just fucking can't. And the fact that there was a major, major fire two years ago because of a gender reveal thing. I mean, tens of thousands of acres burnt to a crisp because one of these fucking gender reveal things two years ago. It's 2020. Why are you having these parties in the fucking first because place? Because it's 2020. You know, uh, uh, honestly, it's like, you know, how many, how it, it, let's it, get it, into it the is. awful. Good way. Good segue, Joe. Well, you, you know, I, I didn't want to get totally into the awful because this is awful and it's, 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 it's just awesome. I, and I make no apologies. Wait a minute. I think there's a word for something that's both awful and awesome. And I believe it's copywritten. <laughs> awful sim. Copyright kind of a personal podcast. The boat sinking in Texas at the Trump boat parade. I should not be as happy as I am to see that, but I am. And here's the best part of it. The best part of those, and it's like four or five of those boats that sank, you know, that just sank to the bottom. Like there was one picture that I saw that I, I saw on Twitter and my wife had saw it on Facebook. It almost, you have to like kind of like really look at the picture because you can't really tell it's underwater. And it's just at the bottom of the sea with the Trump flag waving. You know, right. I mean? it looks like and a toy boat to... with a Trump flag at the bottom of a bathtub. And what had happened is the really rich assholes with the big boats were driving by the rich assholes with the smaller boats. And it caused I don't know what the term is, but those giant waves yeah. to to sink these ships. So, so, you know, that's something we always talk about that. Look, if you have $20 million in capital gains, like that you're worried about passing on to your children. Yeah, of course you have to vote for these. You're in that group. You're a one percenter, but all the people who think they got and, and, and too many people think, well, my ship's about to come in uh, and then sink to the bottom. <laughs> my, I have an uncle who's about to die that I don't know of who's going to leave me so much money that I'm going to vote for this tax break for the rich, though it doesn't help me now because when I'm rich in a year, I'm going to want that tax break to have been in place. It's like, dude, they don't fucking care about you. Even if you're a fucking Trump supporter, if you're in a small boat with a Trump flag versus a Trump supporter with a bigger boat, you're still a piece of shit who's literally beneath them. And and they don't give a fuck if they're if they're driving by their bigger boat sinks your little boat. And then they drive away. Fuck you. Yeah. Right. And they fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, ill conceived. But yeah, it was sort of there, there was a bit of Schadenfreude there. I you know I gotta admit, but um, you know that only lasted about what a day or so, and then we went into the week of wow. The Bob, Bob, so Bob Wordworth. First of all, Woodward. everything about Wordworth. Sorry about that. No problem. Everything about this is awesome. Me. I mean, this is a guy who brought down Nixon. Sure. This is a guy you want to sit with for nine interviews, Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump. So Woodward wrote a book 
in 2016 that was not flattering. It wasn't flattering at all to Trump. And so Trump thinks, oh, I'm going to grant this guy unlimited access to me and I'm going to win him over. And I'm going to tell the guy who brought down Nixon everything. I'm going to smooth him. I'm going to charm him. I'm going to let him in on secrets that other people don't know. So he's going to want to suckle at my teat of power like everybody else in my hemisphere does. And he's going to not write an awful book about me. He's going to write the next book saying I'm the greatest, most beloved, you know, president ever. Cut to. (laughs) (laughs) So cut to, like you said, there were some interviews. It was nine, two hour long interviews that the president gave to Bob Woodward, which he recorded. And to preview the book, he put out uh, some tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. And there are. So some of the tapes uh, said, hey, this is from Donald Trump saying, yeah, so I always meant to downplay the pandemic. I didn't want to cause a panic. Didn't want to you cause know, the a guy, panic. The guy who's risen to power and stayed in power by causing panic. The guy who's out there right now stumping for his own reelection saying that if you don't vote for me, Joe Biden is going to come and hire Antifa to take your guns away and, uh, you know, burn down your suburbs. Don't forget the caravans. The caravans are coming, and I'm the only one who can protect you from the caravan. No, but he says in February. So these interviews are in early and mid-February, and Trump is flat out saying, Oh, Bob, this thing's really bad. It's five times worse than the flu. You know, Bob, it's airborne. That's the scary thing, Bob. That that that's the scary thing. It's like the surfaces you, you can clean those, but this is airborne, Bob. That's really bad. Five times worse than the flu. Three weeks later, he's at the CDC, March fifteenth, saying there's only fifteen people in the country who have it. Soon, it's going to be down to one, and then it's going to be zero. And it's just going to disappear. It's, it's, it's like a miracle. Test, like a miracle. You want to test? You, you know, everybody can get a test who want to test. We have the test, and they're um, what was the word he used for it? It was like a weird word for him to describe a test. And, you know, cut to every governor across the country at the time, hair on fire, saying we don't have a way to test. We need testing people uh-huh. but the point is you know and we said that on the podcast in february if i had access to the information from our u.s military saying hey Jacques, we're going to postpone your tours for nine months because this coronavirus thing making its way to the u.s and in the u.s now it's really bad and it's going to be worse so we're going to shut everything down for nine months I knew it was bad in February, and I and we said on the podcast, it's like there's no way the information that I have access to uh, <laughs> that he doesn't have access to, and even more so. And but that's the thing, it's like if he and, and it's more evident than ever because he said in his own words, well, he didn't want to cause a panic. If it, and there didn't have to be a panic, but if cause a panic for whom? Now he didn't right. want to cause a panic for Wall Street. He doesn't. He doesn't want. He didn't want the economy to tank. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. My meanwhile, fireworks factory is blowing up behind him. <laughs> this whole mask becoming a political thing, dude, it could have worked the other way. It could have worked the other way. He could have come out day one and say, you know what? You want to be a hero? You want to be a real patriot? We're going to wear these masks. You know, they're Trump branded masks. He could have made a killing on mega masks from day one and warned them. And 
saved at this point where at, at, by the time this podcast posts we're going to have been at we're going to have hit the 200,000 dead american mark and like i said we have over 2911s a week you know i mean you know you know 3000 dead americans cuz of 911 so 200,000 divided by 3000 you know <laughs> i mean he could have done it 8 months ago and saved literally 100 and i know i literally said a lot but Hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved by him taking the information he was given and saying, we're going to have to buckle down. We're going to get through this together. We're going to mask up. We're going to socially distance. This is bad, but we're going to beat it. We're America. We're tough. We're going to we're going to beat this together. But instead, Jared thought it was a blue state thing. So fuck them. Trump doesn't want a rifle, you know, you know, scare, scare, you know, Wall Street, so. yeah, yeah. And, and right. He wanted to he wanted to pray it away. And, you know, and also, by the way, don't forget, he watches Fox News. It's, it's funny. It's this sort of snake eating its own head thing. Like he's yes. feeding the fear to Fox News to propagate. And then he's watching the Fox News as if he's hearing it for the first time. And they're telling him something that he didn't already say and is truth. He's taking what he's seeing on Fox News as truth, and he's sort of believing his own bullshit in a way, maybe, kind of. Yes. And so, yeah, it just becomes it's like, oh, yeah, he forgets that he told that lie three months ago, and now he's heard it so many times on Fox News. It's now truth, and he's believing it. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a peculiar thing. And then one thing I want to say about the Bob Woodward criticism about him sitting on the tapes, because, yeah, that is questionable. Hey, Mr. Woodward, I know you're a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and uh, you have a lot of integrity and stuff. And I know you want to sell your book, but maybe you could have let the public know that the president admitted to you that he knew that the virus was a lot more serious than it was. How come you didn't let the tapes out? Here's why you didn't let the tapes out. He would not have gotten any more information out of the president after that. He would have been discredited by the president immediately, and nobody would have listened or cared, and nothing would have changed. Yeah, I I think you're Bob, right. Bob Woodward would not have been a hero. He would have been a guy who, you know, tried to warn us, was like trounced. Fauci. Yeah, yeah, right. The machine would not have let the information get to the people because he's not the president of the United States. He's Bob Woodward. He's interviewing the president of the United States. So I guess he just figured, you know what? Um, but 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 if if late March, early April, when New York is complete, like renting ice trucks as portable morgues because their morgues are overrun, if he goes to CNN, if he goes to Wolf Blitzer, if he goes on the Sunday morning talk shows and says, don't listen to me. Don't take my Pulitzer Prize you know, winning background, my integrity. Don't take any of that into account. This is the president's own words. Last week, he was at the CDC saying, this is no worse than the flu. Here's him telling me it's five times worse than the flu. Please listen to this guy in February talking to me, not this guy talking today in early April. If the information comes out, maybe it Mm. Only saves fifty thousand lives. Mm. Yeah, I think we're giving too much credit to the possibilities because, no, he's not as influential as the president of the United States and the machine behind the president of the United States. He's not. You're, you're right. The people, the people who want high school football back in Florida in front of full stadiums. It doesn't matter what information you gave them. You know, because you saw the, like this week at the rallies. 
I mean, oh, I'm no. sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking no, high else. school football games. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. After, after Trump tells Whitworth, like, oh yeah, this is really bad and it's airborne. He has six more indoor rallies in front of packed, you know, ten thousand. They're airplane vendors. hangers. Okay, there's a big open wall there. You know, there's a, there's only three no, walls. That's in this. now. Oh, I'm sorry. But, you're right. And at one of the hangers just the other day, I think it was on Thursday, a New York Times reporter who her job is to be there covering these rallies takes a picture. It's like, yeah, no social distancing, not many masks. A half hour later, like her tweet got to the people, the powers to be at the Trump administration, and she got escorted out of the rally. She's yeah. like, well, this is a first for me. I've been thrown out of a rally for doing my job for I'm a reporter. Here I am reporting. And they throw me out of the rally. It's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, you know, we, but, we, we're uh, Belarus. Yeah, but it, you, <laughs> but do, you should see some of the videos of people who are attending the rally saying, "Why aren't you wearing a mask?" Well, I have a mask. I just, it's, um, I'm not, I'm not wearing it now. And then it cuts to another guy. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Because it's a hoax. What? It's a hoax. Yeah, that's right. It's a the the coronavirus is a hoax. There's only uh, ten thousand dead. Uh, the CDC. Uh, is claiming that there are, there's only there's really only ten thousand who died from coronavirus. If you look at the numbers, if you look at this pattern here, it says. Uh, now I got this paper. It's like, okay, um, we're gonna step away from Crazy Town, and we'll catch you in two and two. No, that 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 number's going around this week. I've seen a bunch of clips on you know Twitter where a woman's crying because they want. It check her you know she, she went to the store get to the checkout counter like yeah we're not ringing your shit up you have to leave the store you don't have a mask and she's crying and saying there's only 10,000 dead and those were people with pre-existing conditions and this is all bullshit and now they're not going to let me feed my family they're saying feed your family buy your groceries just put on a mask you know it's going to take you five minutes I and there's not a store that doesn't have those temporary disposable masks you know what I mean Come and shop here. You're only going to be here 10 minutes. Put this mask on. We're all good. And, and if, if you can't fucking do that. But it, it is just like I said. But I'm seeing, you know, so I saw all those clips of uh, they're now calling him Death Santis. DeSantis, the, the governor of Florida. Oh. Putting his arm around high school football coaches. Packed high school football stadiums. Just absolutely packed. No masks. Obviously no social distancing. They're packed stadiums. And then at the same time. Management goes, you have to fucking see this. And, you know, through her phone, she puts what she's looking on Facebook up on the screen and she's scrolling through the pictures. Uh, a reporter went into a golden corral. I, I literally thought of some of the things that would change. We wouldn't have buffets anymore. No, no, the golden corral buffet. There's no difference. There's absolutely no difference now than seven months ago. And dude, it, it, let's just let's just move. Are on. they opening because more golden corrals along the, uh, <laughs> the the southern border? Or are we uh, are we that dude, far along? You know. Uh, so 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 you know the week and awful, the beginning of sports is bleeding in from the week of awful, the week of wow. So Thursday, the NFL season kicked off. I had no interest. I, I really don't. But you couldn't, you know, look at the news the following morning. And I don't care about the score or any great plays. What was interesting and awful is that have you seen the Houston, Texas, Kansas City Chiefs pregame 
um, had a moment of unity, yeah, slash moment of silence. I remember that very well. And got booed. Like, like if you're booing, you know, it's not like oh, the players took a knee and people were mad that they're taking a knee and booing that they're taking a knee. Which, if you're booing taking a knee during the national anthem, aren't you booing over the national anthem? <laughs> but at the same time, you're booing what was announced as a a moment of unity. Like, like just the thought of being civil, just the thought of coming together in the name of football, as the name of, hey, we're all Americans, we're all in this together, we disagree with each other, but let's just have a moment where we lock arms and, and try not to be awful to each other. No, no, and, 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 you know, somebody pointed out, it's true, it's like most, 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 probably 90 plus percent of the people in the stands were white, and 80 percent of the people in the moment of unity uh, are not white, or other, you know. You know, you take J.J. Watts out of there, and you, much, <laughs> you know, you know, ha- have this and you're thinking it doesn't fucking matter. It's like they're literally and anything that isn't, you know, there's there's nothing a person of color can do or, uh, uh, you know, a white's of color. But, you know, there's nothing somebody like you or I can do in the name of supporting a person. Yeah, of color there is that's no not gonna upset. Yeah, yeah there, there there is nothing you can do. To win over racists, like racist racists get really offended when you call them racist or when you challenge them on their racist views. And, and by the way, this wasn't exactly a packed stadium thing. Goodness, this was like what twenty percent capacity, twenty five percent capacity, right? But uh, enough where you could hear the booze. Oh, over absolutely, the- yeah. And unfortunately, the commentators, you know, um, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels exactly commentate on the booing part of the ceremony which was you know like yeah a missed opportunity i think so i i because i haven't followed sport at all really i i miss the announcement that they're going to play the national anthem at games they're also going to play and do you know the song like lift every voice which is yes the it's the black, black national, national anthem na- yeah. national and they're going to play both of those uh, what's going to be interesting or what was interesting uh, yesterday at the Patriots Miami Dolphin game, the Dolphin team has announced the players. Yeah, we're, we're not having any of it. We're, we're going to stay in the locker room for the whole fucking kit and caboodle. Wow. Wow. Did you, yeah. So the Dolphins aren't even going to come out. Into the, they'll be out there for warm up. They're going to the locker room and they're not having part of any ball. anthem. Fuck the anthems. You know, no moment of unity. Because, you know, uh, one of the players, like, you know, a representative for the players, not a player, came out and said, yeah, it's all fluff. It's all for show. It's all bullshit. You know, we're not going to come out. If we come out, we're going to kneel for the anthem and people are going to piss. They're going to say, oh, well, we play your black anthem and you stood for that. So if you're not going to stand, if you're going to stand for the black anthem, then you got to stand for the, the white out. Yeah. What's, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so the players, and I applaud them. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. We'll come out when it's time to play football. Right. And, 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 and by the way, it's like, you know, I was talking with our friend Jim and, um, we were having a, a little conversation about, you know, I, I, I just wish they would keep, I want to watch, uh, I want to watch sports without like the infusion of politics. Kind of a passing thing. He wasn't really like take the politics out of sports. But I'm thinking to myself, when is politics not 
been involved in sports you know like you know you go back to jackie robinson you go back to it was reagan who first called the washington redskin locker room in 81 i think it was when they won the super bowl and that started the presidential phone call you know you know congratulating the team and all sports so it's like okay so it's but that's okay but what about the actual and uh, sorry, this is sort of horning in on your business. The national anthem. Right. The national, oh, well, you know, that's not political. It kind of is. Have you, have you listened to the words? Yeah, right. I mean, speaking, like, of the, speaking of have you listened to the words, getting back to the Trump rally, what do they, uh, they blast on the speakers at one of those Trump rallies? Did, did, did you right. hear the, the song that they decided to play before a Trump rally? Which one? Creedence Clearwater Revival's Fortunate Son. Oh God, dude! It, it's it's like look, we 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 did a whole segment. We did a whole segment on this a long time ago. You know the most inappropriate uses for song, like you know Kentucky Fried Chicken using "Sweet Home Alabama," uh, the, yeah. the the Tigger movie using I forget what you know what you know what what what. It's a song about doing crystal meth, you know. Um, oh, Carnival uh, Cruises, Lust for Life. L- Lust for Life. It's like Born in the USA has always been great. It's right. always been great. We talked about that, you know, the L.A. Kings for at least 20 years. At least 20 years every time they scored a goal, they played the I Love L.A. from Randy Newman's song, just the chorus of that. The rest of the song is about how you have to step over homeless people <laughs> to get onto the red carpet event you went to in Hollywood. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that song, but you know, I mean, every time they play a song by somebody who was not Ted Nugent, yeah. the rights holder go like, cause two weeks ago it was, it was Leonard Cohen's, um, estate that said, don't fucking use our song. Hallelujah. Do you know who Leonard Cohen was? Uh-huh. You know, he didn't know you, but he would fucking hate everything. Like, why don't you see if Anne Rand wrote a song and why don't you play one of her songs but but yeah but but that song that credence song specifically is all about yeah a preferential treatment and deferment from a wealthy person to not serve in vietnam it's literally about donald trump's experience with vietnam and how yeah, but, he, but he's not a sucker and a loser dude he's yeah. not a sucker and a loser oh my god but but, but but yeah that's but but like i said and we talked about before right dude I I, I, I've had some amazing experiences taking celebrities to sporting events. It's been it's been a highlight. You got to do you know, and it was a low end. You couldn't have been more low end than having a guy who was on American Idol ten years ago doing a Jets game. But but you got a little glimpse of he's a good guy. I like this. No, he was great, Constantine. But this world uh, behind the uh, rope doesn't suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't. But but it's it's also it's one of those things where you're like, huh. How come they never play the third verse of the national anthem? You know, the one about returning the freed slaves back to their southern owners. That, that's that's not making it up. That's what the third verse of our national anthem is. It talks about returning, you know, escaped slaves to, to, to the south. So, yeah. So if you want to take politics out, and it wasn't until 10 years ago. It, it used to – I remember the first time I did a national football game. It was in Cleveland. This is 2005, 2006. I thought it was soundcheck. I thought it was soundcheck. The players, you know, the players, you know, had their warm up. They left the field. 
you know, the artist went on. He sang the anthem. There was there's 10,000 people, 15,000 people into a stadium that was going to have 75,000 people like a half hour later. I honestly thought it was sound check. And then they were like, oh, man, that was really great. That was really great. Do you want to go up to the box? Or what do you guys want to do now? I'm like, well, how long does it take to get to the box? They're like, ah, oh, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, but then we have to rush right back down. Why are you rushing right back down? To do the anthem. You just did the anthem. But that was a sound check. No, no, that, that, that's the anthem. You know, like the day before we were in Utah doing um doing doing a Utah jazz game because when you think of Utah, you think of jazz music, um, and you do it just before tip off. You know, so I thought it was, and it wasn't till a few years after that that you know they started to do, or after nine eleven, some people started to do it. Dude, it's fucking ridiculous. You know, it's fucking ridiculous that this moment of unity got booed. You're not going to make races happy. It, it, you know, and then the ratings came out for Thursday night football, a 16 year low or something. And they weren't like a point or two down. They were down a substantial amount. And I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, Houston's not a small market. Dude, Kansas cities. It's not- it, I mean, I think a lot of people were looking for football to come back. But, you know, there's a lot of distractions nowadays. There's a lot of distractions nowadays. And I'm not just talking about the excellent programming on HBO Max. I mean... There's a lot of other things to talk about, to, and football seems kind of non-important. I mean, even yourself, you couldn't give two shits about the game, and no, I, um, you know, you're you're Mister, you're you're. They always call you Mister Touchdown. They always call you Mister T. I he can um, run and pass and throw. <laughs> give him the ball and just look at him go. Let him go. I uh, I am going to be interested to see when the ratings come out later today because it's Monday. Uh, the Patriots kicked off at one o'clock. You know, back here in the East, and Tampa Bay's game is going to be is it was broadcast in New England too at four o'clock. What do you think uh, was going to pull in the bigger ratings? Oh, definitely Tampa Bay. You, you think so? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. a, a it's a later game. B, the later games do right. Yeah, and B, it's fucking Tom Brady, and I mean, you, you just the just the curiosity of factor alone is going to draw in more eyeballs, and he's Tom Brady, and it's you know. And we didn't talk about this last week. Last week, both you and I said Patriots eight and eight, and we texted. I think I might have even tweeted out. Did we both say nine and seven for for Tampa Bay? I said they win the division, and if that's nine and seven, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say they win the division. I mean, and that's a that's a decent division. They got the Saints, they got uh, the Falcons. How do you think Gronk does? Uh, I think uh, Gronk run. I, you know, it's going to be interesting because I don't know how much weight he has put back on, but last year he was down uh, almost like 30, 40 pounds from mm. his playing days. You know, he, and cause he did, I mean, he took off all that weight. He started that CBC, CBD company or became the spokesperson for his CD. And it's, it's true. It's like, look, dude, if you don't have to carry that weight in your upper body like that, I mean, it, it hurts your lower back and knees after a while. And we look the Super Bowl against the Rams and the and the and Kansas City and the conference finals, he had like three catches that game, but the one catch at the end of the game to seal it, it was a grunt catch. It was an absolute it wasn't for a touchdown, but it put them at like the four yard line. It it kept the clock moving. It sealed the game. That game that catch he had in Kansas City, you know, um, you know, before the Rams Super Bowl. It was one great catch. In the Super Bowl, he had one real catch. And again, that catch Eh, it didn't single-handedly won the Super Bowl, but it was a huge catch. But 
that season of the 16 games, he missed like four games, five games. He was averaging, you know, less than like five catches a game. And, and, and look, he came up clutch when you need him come clutch. And then he didn't play last year. So it's going to be interesting to see the last time he played a full season was like three, four years ago. Um, I wish him well. I, look, it's Tampa Bay. We won't see them this year unless we both make it to the Super Bowl. So it's not, there's no reason I would root against either one of those guys. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm just as interested to see what happens in Tampa Bay. I was just as interested because it's Monday uh-huh. to see what happened. I mean, I even though we said it was Friday game. earlier. Shut it, nerd. Uh, Shutting I, it, I, sir. I, I won't. I won't be watching either game start to finish. I will. Hey, what's happening on this? Hey, what's happening? Is supermarket sweeps on yet? (laughs) Let me check that out. But uh, but that's you know it is. It's going to be interesting to see when the ratings come out. And again, it's week one. And and, you know when it's week six or seven, if they're still playing. By the way, I kind of dig the no preseason. Dude, it's just, you know, for me, at, at this point of the year, and, and we've been talking about it, what a basket What a basket case am I this time of the year, the last, let me look at my watch, 20 years. <laughs> you know, I would not be able to sleep two days before the kickoff of a season. You know, because this is the year we're supposed to go 14-2, and two, and you can't go 14-2 and two if you lose week one to Miami. Right. I would not be sleeping now. Now I'm sleeping like a baby. Right. What's it like to be off heroin? Dude, it's 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 clean living. Um, all right, enough uh, enough enough of this nonsense. Uh, what video <laughs> game have you been doing this week, Joe? I have not been doing really any video game. Over. Who are you? What have you done? <laughs> got a life to you? No, I, I got I, got an HBO Max to you. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. We don't have a real, we don't really have a podcast listening. Recap. Well, what, what, what have you been listening to in podcast world? One is called the Carson Podcast. It's about five years in. It's an interesting podcast by a comedian who's like a New York comedian. He used to write for the Colbert Report, but he's like this super fan of Johnny Carson. And he interviews people who've been associated with the Carson show and who've appeared on the Carson show or has some sort of connection with the Carson show. So... You know, it's, they're very interesting interviews with, like, people you've never heard of that, like, you know, like uh, a female writer for Carson or, you know, a producer of Carson. Or um, this week is a guy who wrote for Bob Hope in the 60s, like that kind of caliber of person. Or, like, this guy had, like, Carl Reiner on at one point. You know, like, so he, he interviews, like, really well-known people, but then he also gets, you know, people who worked in the shadows of these other big-name stars. So it's kind of like a clean version of the Gilbert Godfrey podcast. Yeah, I'm listening to the Carson podcast, still following the TV Guidance Counselor podcast. That's interesting. You know, I might start getting back into Marin. You know, he's been interviewing some interesting people lately. I've seen, uh, I I think, did I tell you that I listened the other day, and I, I, I took the advice from Taylor. Yeah, just grow past the first twenty minutes of bullshit. Get get right into the interview. He is a horrible interviewer. He he. It's like it's not that he doesn't do prep. It's like he does do prep, but he goes to the misinformation sites like 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 like, like the opposite of uh, of Wikipedia. And I listened to this J.K. Rowling interview the other day, and it's fascinating. I've loved the guy forever. Like 
I saw one episode of Oz. I, I can't get out of my mind. Oh, not J.K. Rowling. She it. wrote to Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. J.K. Uh, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Guy's fucking great. I mean, I loved him a lot. You know, you know, Juno's dad, you know, Whiplash. We've talked about all of this. But everything that Mark Maron said is like, oh, so that's when you uh, that's when you got into heroin. It's like, I... I've never done a drug in my life. Oh, right, right. Uh, but but during your second marriage, I married my high school <laughs> right. you know, like, Maybe he thought he was interviewing J.K. Rowling. And was, you know, <laughs> so so, but but yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's like so. I, I did, I did too. Same thing. It's like I listen to Bill Barr. You know, I'm trying to listen to different things. I I just found out. You know, I I forget why I have. Oh, because of our phones, because when we knew we knew our phones, you know, with our plan, we got Disney Plus for a year. And then something else, I think it might be the phones, too. I got Apple Music free for a year yep. because probably the Apple TV or something. Yeah. The thing is, right now, like if I'm sitting there, you know, doing something in the office or out by the pool and I'll be like, oh, play comedy radio. It goes right to the same three Jim Gaffigan routines that I love. But it's like one of the other 900 Jim Gaffigan. But now I, I can listen to a lot more comedians. That's why, like I was saying like last week, because I have the whole Apple library now. So mm-hmm. I can say, play this person, that person. There's so much more. So I've been listening to more stand-up and different stand-up from, you know, from, from other artists that we love that I haven't heard. Like I talked about last week with like, you know, Lenny Bruce and stuff like that. So I've been trying to listen to different things and watch different things, you know, and just kind of... Trying to stay away from politics. We're getting you know? dangerously close to audiobook territory. Uh, you know, yeah. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, I can only hear, you know, the same kind of stories about the same kind of things and subjects for so long. It's like, okay, yeah, I, you know almost everything there is to know about Batman. How many, I know you could probably listen to Batman podcasts until I, I, I death. Do. I until do. death. Well, last summer when I drove across the country, I did get a couple audio books of Vonnegut reading Vonnegut stuff. And mm. truly, it, there's nothing better than the artist reading it themselves. Like, because you're hearing their voice out loud as they have the voice in their head as they wrote it. You sometimes. Know? A lot of times. Sometimes not they're sure. not they're not very good uh, readers, let's just say. You know, let's just say it's not one take wonders. Um, yeah, like, well, like when Stephen Colbert put out his books, I think his... Audiobooks were very funny and entertaining, but um, but now he's a big shot uh, talk show host and he doesn't have time for audiobooks. So, what do you got for a TV review, a streaming review? Oh boy, I should have written something down because I know I've been watching stuff. Uh, oh, I saw Bill and Ted three. Oh, we, we, we like it's it's good. It's a nice it's a nice movie. It's a very nice. It pays homage to. You know, it's obviously it's written by Ed Solomon, who did the first two. It's got everybody involved that essentially from the first uh, movies, ex- including a little cameo by a holographic George Carlin. Did you did you rewatch one and two, or did you just dive in? I was kind of caught up. Yeah, you could say I was caught up. Uh, Kristen Schaal plays the uh, Rufus's daughter Kelly. Now that that's a little nod to Kelly Carlin. The real life daughter. That's nice. Of George Carlin. Keanu shaves his beard to, you know, play a a, a, um, a more a faithful version of Ted Theodore Logan. 
and uh, Alex Winter plays Bill S. Preston Esquire. So the movie basically, it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. The plot is they have a X amount of t- like time, like literal countdown clock time in a time travel movie to write the song that's going to unite the world because that was what led them. That was the whole premise of the of the, of this franchise was that these two were going to form Wild Stallions and their music was going to unite the world. And it does a little retrospective of how, what they've done since they they kind of had a, a fall from grace. Like they apparently they didn't quite write that song that was going to unite humanity. So they have a certain amount of time to write that song before time literally unravels itself and their idea is to meet their future selves so they keep going further and further into the future and they see different versions of their future selves as they go along and also by the way they are married to the princesses from the first movie and they're having some marital trouble but they also have two grown daughters and that are also i think one's called billy and the other one's called thea and they're, you know, basically carbon copies of Bill and Ted. And they go on their own little space-time journey with Kristen Schaal. So it, 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 it gets fun. It gets fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a good romp. And it has a nice little ending. And it's a nice, it ties a bow around the Bill and Ted trilogy. So you know what? Worth a watch, I recommend. Bill and Ted fans, yes. Check out Bill and Ted Face the Music. I would go with any of the Sherlock's I watched. Either go with the Robert Downey Jr., the two movies, and there's the third one finally coming out like next year. If it's still on pace next year, like the last one was 2011. Or or, or just the BBC, the four series on BBC. Just absolutely great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's so much to watch. So many things to watch. And there's time now. You got a parenting tip? I do. Make sure that you, if you're, if you have a musically talented child, stay out of the way of them creating a song for your podcast in secret with your podcast partner. You did a great job. You did it. You did a great job. I did nothing. Boys. I did, you did zero. Yeah, you, you, you that, know, that, that it, was my it, contribution. Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe staying out of the way. Was, right. Was you know lead, you know, follow, so, or stay out of the way. So, so you, you took my dad's parenting advice. Um, what uh no you stuck around um so my dad had back surgery a few weeks ago and i've kind of been working really hard to spend a little more time with my parents and talk to them and kind of try to not be so angry that they are addicted to fox news and, and owen one one american news and stuff like that and they they are they're 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 a baby step away from QAnon. You know, they, they are one wrong push in the direction. And it's been tough the last few months. At the same time, my dad is 81, had the surgery. And with November 3rd coming up, I'm like, you know, I should because I don't know how much I'm going to be able to talk to people on that side of the aisle at all if Biden doesn't win. Or one way or and, the other. Or one way or the other. Because this is not right. going to go away. Do not like, it's, oh, if Biden gets elected, oh, thank goodness that Trump nightmare is over. Now back to normal. What? Nope, nope. He's going he's gonna to wreak havoc. He's, he's literally going to tell his supporters to take their arms to the street. We know that. Or we if know. he doesn't go away, there's still that faction. It's like, oh, by the way, half of the country doesn't like the new president. And, you know? When, when, remember when Obama was president and how the cabal of, Democrat, of Republican lawmakers got together in a bar that day on the on an yep. inauguration day and said, we're going to so, do everything and, 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 in our power to fuck up this president? 
that's going to happen. So it, what do you have to do? As bad as it is, yeah. it's going to get worse. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, and my little guy wants to be a grandma's more. So I've let him do a couple sleepovers and my mom is very sensitive about it. So they'll watch a movie, but they social distance. There's still no hugging. You know, they're, they're good about that. I mean, especially now that my dad has surgery, look, he, he, if he gets COVID, mm, it ain't good. You know what I mean? So my parents are being smart about it. Here's my parenting tip. If you drop the kid off and you say, yeah, you can watch a movie, it's good to let your parents know that when they're scrolling for a movie to watch, just because the thumbnail of the movie features, let's say, a Teddy Ruxpin-looking bear <laughs> might not be appropriate for your kids. So to take the extra second, even if it's a unicorn or... A Teddy Ruxpin looking bear <laughs> and maybe read the description before you pay for the movie and start watching it. <sighs> because uh, uh, my mom and, and little guy got through the first 10 minutes of Ted 2 uh, oh. before they realized, nope, nope. And my here's my 10 year old. It's like, yeah, when we saw him with a bong, I'm like, how do you, how do you know what a bong is? Are you hanging around your cousin? Wait, wait, wait why, why, why do you know uh, <laughs> You know, and so I did it. You know, my mom, I, you know, I didn't have to say anything to my mom. She was so aghast. You would like, think that the letter R next to the rating. No, I mean, but, but that, look, uh, she's a Trumpkin. So you would have to do more than, oh, here's a teddy bear. Boom, kid movie. You would have to do a little bit of research, a little bit of reading, a little bit of, oh, let me not just base this on that you know right so when i called mm -hmm. my mom i'm like so she's like oh my god oh that was awful i can't believe it i'm like okay you know i don't have to say anything because you know she 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 learned her she, lesson she but no you know, did she did she learn a lesson my, my parenting tip is yeah you might have to parent look this this little doll's got a plain knife in his hand this will be fun <laughs> all right there you have it <laughs> so it's just you and me now isn't it what are you wearing anyways guys thanks for listening to carnival personnel i really appreciate it you make each day a special day just by you being you and we're gonna go out on no song I don't want to listen to any music. We're, I mean, maybe I should play Fortunate Son. Oh, wait. I, 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 you know, apparently, anybody can play that goddamn song, including this shitty podcast. No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't dare desecrate the message of that song by playing it on our podcast. I'm better than that. We're better than that. You're better than that. So uh, I'm just going to say good luck with, um, with everything going on. Hopefully, your state doesn't burn down by the time the next podcast drops. You know, maybe we'll have uh, fewer things to worry about, though I doubt it. I don't know, man. It's like it, this is like a Groundhog Day scenario where you wake up from a nightmare into another nightmare, and uh, it, it doesn't seem to end now, does it? I don't know. It, that's a bleak message to go out on. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll play that goddamn WKRP in Cincinnati song one more time. That's what I'll do. Yeah, we'll go out on that because that was fun. All right, take us away my son and <laughs> um so anyways that's uh that's enough bye everybody uh, don't don't forget this things
baby, if you've ever wondered Wondered what became of Joe and me We're living on the air at Carnival Personnel Carnival Personnel Podcast, CPP Listen to Jacques and Comparity Yapping While Joe can quote a movie line by line they may have no idea what they're talking about But all in all, they still sound pretty fine It's kind of a person now, the CP Pie